Hi, I'm Josh Chang, and I'm an analyst at the Center for Strategic and Budgetary Assessments. I'm Gerald Brown. I'm an analyst with the Valiant Integrated Services. So today, Gerald and I will be discussing the implications of China's uh, nuclear modernization and expansion, uh, with debates about this phenomenon being triggered by the discovery of new Chinese missile silos out in the western part of the country. Now, Gerald has a great piece out in Nine Dash Line that covers the implications of uh, Chinese nuclear modernization and expansion. Gerald, can you share with our audience sort of your takeaways from this debate and discussion? Yeah, thanks, Josh. So a uh, little bit of background uh, helps out here. Uh, China's nuclear strategy has differed substantially than that of the U.S. and uh, Russia, and it often confuses a lot of the U.S. nuclear analysts. Uh, perhaps the easiest way to describe it is what we would call uh, shirt retaliation. Their basic principle has always been maintaining a survivable arsenal that could go over and take a, an adversary's first strike and then retaliate to cause enough pain that the adversary wouldn't want to go over and do it in the first place. And this could be pretty minimal. Uh, but this has always been their approach to things. For us. So the basic principle would be checking nuclear use from an adversary while winning wars at lower levels of escalation. Uh, but arguably, China's never really been able to quite pull this off effectively. And there's been a lot of concerns as to the vulnerability of their force, not only to nuclear weapons, but also to other assets such as uh, U.S. conventional counterforce capabilities in light of you know, changing rate of technology, advancements in ISR, and then also ballistic missile defense has been a huge concern. Uh, if China was to go over and get off a few nukes, then ballistic missile defense intercepted them, that defeated the whole point. So they were never really quite confident in this uh, assured retaliatory posture. So vastly expanding China's nuclear forces makes sense with this uh, in mind. If they're trying to go over and really check U.S. nuclear use and make sure that the United States can't go over and pull this card against them, then that's probably what they would want to do. And especially if there's concerns about vulnerabilities to conventional forces. Uh, if you're going over and you want to alleviate that, you want to build hardened silos that can't be targeted by this. In order to go over and kill these silos, you would realistically have to go over and target with nuclear weapons. And you'd have to target with more than one. You'd likely have to do at least a two to one targeting uh, ratio. And even then, you'd probably have some survival forces from those silos and it would pull a lot of ordnance and attention away from China's other mobile missile forces and towards those silos. So you're going to do a lot to increase your survivability. However, this is still quite a substantial change, right? And while it's unlikely to completely reinvent the basic principles of Chinese nuclear strategy, it undeniably represents a substantial shift from their previous approach. And we may see some sorts of doctrinal changes in the future. Uh, one of the things that I've been really concerned about is a potential shift to launch on warning. Uh, and this is something that Chinese nuclear strategists have discussed since at least 2012. Um, but this would also really increase their survivability and their perception, right? They go over and they claim that it's in the line with their no first use posture. And the principle would be if uh, an adversary like the United States were to launch nuclear attacks, then they would go over and launch before they were hit in the first place in order to make sure that the arsenal the, the uh, their retaliatory force did survive and was able to target the United States. And this would go over and supposedly check uh, U.S. nuclear use and nuclear coercion. Uh, so really, there's a lot of concerns with this. Uh, chances for misperception, but uh, one of the things that really concerns me is the conventional applications. Uh, if China really feels secure in its nuclear retaliatory capability by these expansions and potential shifts, maybe sometime to launch on warning, uh, then that it holds a credible capacity to cause damage that the U.S. is not willing to bear, then China may feel more secure about engaging in regional conventional conflicts that it's discussed and oriented its strategy towards. Uh, when that U.S. nuclear weapons alone are really unlikely to be 
the key to deterring conflict in the region. Uh, so Josh, I would really like to get some insights from you. Uh, what's the real unprecedented pace of these expansions? How do you think that the United States and its allies in the region will respond? Thanks for those great points, Sheila. I think one for the U.S., from a force planning perspective, I think the China factor will influence force planning in two ways. For one, you might have STRATCOM and pro-modernization advocates try to use the China factor as a way to call for the expediting of modernization initiatives such as GBSD and LRSO. In addition, you might have organizations like the Missile Defense Agency uh, use the China factor to request additional funding uh, in future fiscal years. And I think in the allied sense, um, Abe Denmark at the Wilson Center has a great testimony uh, to the USCC where he suggests that U.S. allies are concerned about Chinese nuclear expansion and modernization insofar as Washington being able to uphold its credible extended deterrence guarantees. And I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh, if we look at um, the military balance across Asia right now, a lot of U.S. partners like South Korea and India have been building up their own counterforce strike arsenals as a hedge against fears of U.S. abandonment. And I think going forward, U.S. defense planners not only have to examine Washington's own defense strategy in the region, but also the risk calculations and defense postures of other allies. And this is to say that U.S. defense strategy doesn't exist in a vacuum, but also U.S. defense planners have to look at where our defense postures and those of our allies overlap um, in order to properly address the fears emanating uh, from Chinese nuclear modernization and expansion. Uh, so going forward, I think that's what we're going to have to look at for sure. Great, Josh. Excellent points. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much, Gerald.